If you give a person or a small team a time limit and encourage them to brainstorm the most creative idea they can come up with, well, they will come up with incredibly elaborate schemes. But the genius of the Mission Impossible schemes is really not the technology used. Welcome to the Food for Thought Lunch Break with Steve Bookbinder podcast, the show that gives you things to think about when you're trying to make more sales without all the seriousness of conventional sales talks. Enjoy and learn as he makes fun of sales training, salespeople, and sales trainers, including himself, all while giving you battle-tested strategies that work. Now, here's your host, Steve Bookbinder. Hey, thanks for joining me on your break. I'm always looking for ways to get more sales easier. Turning your break into a coaching break is a great way for me to help you get more sales easier too. I love playing games, but even more, I love playing. It was my original love. My childhood friend Greg had a mini gym monkey bars climbing thing in his backyard, and the two of us climbed on it, in it, hung off of it all the time. Sometimes we pretended to be spies in an action movie, holding on for dear life to the ledge of a tall building. Sometimes we climbed to the top and pretended to have reached the top of Mount Everest. In the winter, we cleared out the snow inside and pretended to be in a spaceship on the moon. In the summer, we made it a submarine, and his backyard was the bottom of the ocean. In each case, we develop our characters, our setting, and our conflict. We have to fix the rocket from the outside, and it's weightless, or we're on the top of Mount Everest, and the enemy is climbing up. We played the longest and had the most fun when we matched a difficult challenge, like the enemy are giants with wings, with a very determined and resourceful solution, like our fingers can shoot death rays, if you know the secret. I considered it my job to teach my daughter about this love of playing. We made everything into a game, and then we made simple games into more fun-to-play games. My favorite example, when she was young, we were on a vacation at a resort with a big pool with all kinds of tunnels and slides and a giant water bucket, which would alternately fill and drop down a waterfall. My daughter and I played hide-and-seek in that pool and turned that hide-and-seek game into such a great game that two days into our vacation, a group of other kids asked if they could play with us. Well, I was happy for them to join us, but wondered... They couldn't think of a way to play hide-and-seek in a fun way by themselves? No imagination. Well, actually, no one has no imagination, but many people don't use theirs. I taught those kids, and hopefully someday they'll teach their own kids. Years later, I find myself still teaching people how to use their imagination. It turns out in sales, that skill alone, absent in so many, is the biggest difference between the top 20% and the bottom 80%. I get to see a lot of salespeople's powers of imagination during sales training workshops when I'm conducting role plays, which is essentially like playing. Presumably, it's a skill we all learned as kids, and I ask people to stretch just a little bit from their normal way of doing something, just for this workshop. I say to them, let's 
use what we just learned to make a call or deliver an elevator pitch or negotiate a deal, whatever the topic of that day's workshop was. And you know what I find? I find that one third of the participants actually cannot make a call or an elevator pitch or negotiate in any way different than the one way they already know. The others the ones more willing to play, at least in the workshop, because they know the more they put into training, the more they'll get out of it, are anxious to try something new, but struggle to adopt and adapt a new way. Here's the ripple effect of not using your imagination. No imagination leads to not easily thinking of imaginative solutions to difficult challenges which in turn leads to thinking that role-playing is not necessary because you already know what to do, which leads to not practicing anything new, which is the same as practicing what you already know, making it even harder to change, which is at the top of the slippery slope of disappointment and discouragement, and it slaloms downhill, racing toward dissipating your time, blaming the wrong thing, your price, your products, etc. Meanwhile, had you been better at using your imagination in the first place, all of this ugliness could have been avoided. Your imagination is like a muscle. It atrophies with disuse, but gets bigger and better with ongoing use. And for salespeople, the bigger your imagination, the more you can make your dreams come true, which is why I have chosen Let's Pretend as the topic for this week's coaching session. I thought the best way to get into this topic is to suggest a few mind-stretching exercises you can do either by yourself or as part of your team. Each will cause you to use parts of your imagination you might not have used since you were a child. Then I'll give you four imagination-expanding tips you could begin using this week to improve your role-playing and your sales results, all in about 15 minutes. Let's begin, as always, with today's question. How would you solve your sales challenge if you were in a Mission Impossible movie? Without much thought, you'll come up with a too-fast, too-simple, too-funny answer. Well, uh, the way to do it is you kidnap the decision-maker, fool them Mission Impossible style with disguises and magical technology into buying from you. Ha! Wait a minute, not so fast. If you were really with the IMF, the Impossible Mission Forces, you would first and foremost figure out a plan that will work with the pressure of the safety of the world depending on you. The bad guy would be smart too. Your plan would work because of its combination of cleverness and simplicity. You can't just dash off a plan like that. To have a great answer to that question, you need to work up to it. Here are three exercises that will get you there. The first exercise, called the rationale, is one I use in my workshops. I used to be a professional improv actor in an improv club in New York City, and I still teach improv to salespeople. I've learned that improv is like sales. There are guiding principles and best practice strategies, but never an exact script you can follow. To get good at following the principles and strategies while making up the script, you need to warm up first. So, I put the participants through a series of warm-up 
improv exercises, most of which would be familiar if you ever took a course in improvisation or improv for non-actors like salespeople, teachers, and lawyers. When everyone is warmed up, laughing, ready, I create a two-part improv role play. The first part is the setup. The customer just called and told you they want to buy from you. They are sold, but need your help to sell the rest of their organization. They ask the salesperson to come in and give them the rationale for the benefits of buying from you so they could tell the others and sell their team. You'd think this would be the easiest role play ever done, but it's not. Salespeople must be so unaccustomed to buyers expressing this much interest and specifically asking for a buying rationale that they never know what to say. Most sellers don't even attempt to find the rationale words. Instead, all they can think of are the same list of qualifying questions about pain points they always ask, followed by the same strategy they always use, which is the suggestion that we all talk to the contacts team, the usual next step. Part one is followed by part two, which I believe is exactly what happens in real life after sales meetings conclude and the seller goes away. Now that the salesperson has left the building, our customer continues with their day, beginning with talking to one of their co-workers about the meeting they just had with the salesperson. In the role play, just like real life, your customer tells the co-worker what just happened. They're thinking of buying from your company, and they just spoke to you for reassurance. And the co-worker opens the scene by asking, what did the salesperson say? Well, had part one gone right, the seller would have performed a repeatable rationale statement. That message would now be racing throughout a prospect or customer, beginning with your customer and their co-worker. That's how word-of-mouth marketing works. Instead, the customer and the coworker end up having a conversation that goes nowhere in terms of word of mouth marketing. The customer tells the coworker, well, they asked me about our pain points and then suggested they talk to my team. Now, what can the coworker say other than, hmm, sounds like a typical salesperson? The second part of this exercise points out the importance of delivering a compelling rationale to our customer so they can begin selling their coworkers. The first part of this exercise develops the salesperson's ability to deliver a repeatable buying rationale. Why is that skill so important? Because... In my view, selling is not what happens when salespeople talk to buyers. It's when buyers talk to their coworkers. That is where the groundswell of support springs from. Only after coworkers are nodding in agreement behind closed doors are customers calling back salespeople to say that now they're finally ready to make a decision. The second let's pretend game builds on the first. Now pretend the customer called you to say they're going to buy from you, but there's one condition. They are willing to pay you up to a million dollars, or euros, or pounds, or yen, or Bahama dollars, depending on the country being trained. If you can deliver a million dollars worth of service, they'll buy a million dollars. How do you get your proposal to a million dollars? Well, 
You can't simply run up the bill by overcharging them. The customer would still expect quantity discount pricing for anything that they're buying in quantity. Chances are the only way to get to a million dollars is by combining your products and solutions with a high level of service. This game reverses the usual game salespeople play, which is how to make more services cost less in order to get the overall price under some budget in a competitive bidding situation. In this exercise, the seller needs to stretch the opposite muscles and charge fairly for more service. Like all good, thoughtful games, this one is harder than it looks. The ideal $1 million budget would be worth it. The customer could measure their ROI, return on investment. In other words, they make more than a million dollars when they spend one million dollars with you. So much more that they'll want to renew. This is a great game in part because small teams or individuals can practice by playing and competing and they get better and better at applying this sales imagination stretching skill to all budget levels. The third game builds on the second. You are still a salesperson, but you've been transferred to the special, secret, in-house, Mission Impossible team. You're still responsible for sales, but now you're armed with Mission Impossible resources like latex masks and tools to hack into foreign satellites. Your customer calls to tell you that they would like to move ahead with you, but need their boss's approval. Well, using your resources, what could you do to solve this problem? If you give a person or a small team a time limit and encourage them to brainstorm the most creative idea they can come up with, well, they will come up with incredibly elaborate schemes. But the genius of the Mission Impossible schemes is really not the technology used but the reactions they got. When they needed someone to answer questions, they first tricked them into feeling comfortable enough to talk. Of course, in the movie and in the small group working on the scene, the way we got the person comfortable enough involved fooling them about who they were talking to and where they were. In the end, we realize, like Mission Impossible movies, our mission as salespeople is to get to people who may be hard to get to, and get them to react to your offer in a positive way. Just like in the movies, it probably works best when you get them comfortable with you first, which you can do with masks and special tools to hack into foreign satellites as a Mission Impossible salesperson, or with networking and social selling if you are disavowed and only have conventional sales tools. Let's summarize. It's only fair to ask someone to answer, how would you solve your sales challenge if you were in a Mission Impossible movie after they have completed these exercises? To get there, we have to first stretch our imagination, which we can only do through actively using it. Here are four actions you can take this week to stretch your powers of imagination. One. Schedule time to conduct each of these exercises. Challenge yourself to complete them either alone or with coworkers. Two. Schedule to play all three games again within the next three weeks so you can reinforce the skills. Each time you play, pretend the customer is a different target account. Three. Challenge yourself to think of one more exercise or tweak one of these. 
and write to me to let me know what you did. I'd like to share the best practices with everyone. And four, keep up the learning and development momentum by scheduling time to listen to next week's Coaching Break podcast. Next week, we'll focus on setting your sights on big, scary sales goals, which will seem just a little bit less scary now that you've had personal experience as a member of a Mission Impossible team. Until next time, remember, I'm Steve Bookbinder, your sales coach. Thanks for sharing your break with me. Please check out our training specials for individuals and teams on our website, dmtraining.net. Also, please connect with me on LinkedIn. Send an in-mail or email to steve at dmtraining.net if I can help you and your team make more sales. Thank you for listening to Food for Thought. To get your free sales playbook, visit dmtraining.net forward slash podcast. And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of Steve's jokes and helpful resources. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.